Hello. Hey, it's Keith. Oh, hi. Hi. So I've got my little podcasty thing set up, but I don't know. Do you want to do a podcast? Is that okay? Just... Yeah, we can do a podcast. Just let me turn down this TV. Sure. I uh, I actually forgot to get a new calling card, so I think I've got about forty-five minutes on here or so. So I guess that'll keep things a little shorter. Okay. So I guess I mean I guess the big news is uh, you had a terrible sounding week. Ah, well, terrible couple of days. Yeah. So uh, I guess, uh, so when I called last week, you thought you had food poisoning? This is kind of yep. similar to when I went to the hospital. I also thought I had food poisoning. So uh, I don't know, I guess you want to tell me the, the horrifying tale? <laughs> I mean... I'm not sure. I'm going to give you some details. Sure. Um, well, I found out uh, two, two years ago that I have uh, hiatal hernia. And what that is, it's like a, uh, you rubber, like if you had a rubber in the inner tube in a bicycle. Right. And you have a uh, a weak spot in it, you kind of bulge out. Right. Like uh, so, uh, and it's right above where your stomach joins your esophagus. So uh, if you if you like overeat or you eat something that's very gaseous or spices, spicy, the gas or the food would kind of bump up into that little rubber tire thing, and uh, it's very painful because it's, uh, you know, the gas or food or whatever is pressing on the inside of your esophagus instead of your stomach where it's supposed to be. So anyway, that's the opening part. So that evening I had had a Greco to there for supper. I was like, God, I'm just full of meat, spicy, greasy, the whole thing. And I shouldn't eat the whole damn thing, but I did. <laughs> a couple hours later, I started feeling bad, but not as if it was the hernia. It was just like, uh, yeah, terrible. So the washroom threw up, you know, it looked like gone air. Um, on the way home about two hours later, geez, I was feeling terrible. I actually stopped and made myself throw up. So at that point, I couldn't tell what color it was. Then, uh, once I got here, I noticed that the vomit, I kept vomiting. Uh, but not retching vomiting, you know, like when you, you just kind of just vomit. And it was very, very dark in color. And that went on all night and the next day, and then um, I stayed home that day from work. Then by the nighttime, though, I was saying, how come? Look, I drank a lot of water that day because I've got food poisoning, hydrate yourself, whatever. How come this vomit is never uh, changing color? It's always still dark. Right. That's what I said, and that was when I spoke to you. Uh, on Thursday, and then I decided, gee, I better go get this checked out. So. So you went to the hospital that night. I went to the hospital that night. Just wow, yeah. Because it was already like. Time that I talked to you. Yeah, it was already like nine o'clock or so, right? When I called you, so it's pretty late at night to go. And the end, ten ish, nine ish, ten ish. So when I got there, I I, I uh, actually took some of the vomit in a cup, and when I got there, like it took me right in, put me right on the intravenous, and. So, um, and they called it coffee grounds. And you know what? That's what it looked like. But, and there's actually, I went online after. There's actually a, um, it's dry blood that you're that you're that you're spitting out. But that's actually what it is called. They've got like a whole term. I thought it was just some little name they had for it up at the doctor Everett Chalmers, so that people wouldn't be grossed out if they say, "Ah, the woman's spurting that blood." <laughs> so anyway, the next. So all that night, you know, I felt pretty, pretty freaking punk. But in the morning, they, uh, around noontime, whatever they took in, they uh, took me into a scope. Now, that's an experience, let me tell you. Is that where you get, like, a camera put in your throat? Or yeah, anything? where they put, it, they, put a, they put a camera down your throat and check it all. They thought it was an ulcer. Does that hurt to no. get the camera put in? No. Uh, well, 
No, because they uh, they spray the back of your throat. They put this kind of like a rubber tube, a rubber, like an O-ring in your mouth that holds it open. Spray the back of your throat. And then, of course, they've given you a shot or something in the intravenous that knocks you out anyway. And all I can remember is looking at the... I could see on the picture. I could see my... I could see the back of my throat in this picture. And then they put the O-ring in, they squirted it, and then that was it. That's all I remember. And then they did their little picture thing, and um, and I woke up. It was all done. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the other thing that's, that's weird about that is I thought, oh, yeah, you just go off to one of these places that uh, have uh, to get your get the test done. No big deal, but oh my God, they practically got it like it, it was a radioactive place or something. They went through, uh, they took me down to this great big long hallway and all around, you know, my God, if I ever got lost there, I never would have been able to find my way out. And then these great big doors that had the great big signs on, warning, staff only, you know. <laughs> and this is just all at the hospital in Fredericton? This is all at the hospital in Fredericton. This is just to get this scope. I thought, oh yeah, well, so that can't be all that strange doing that kind of thing, but... Anyway, anyway, that was something. So, so anyway, I continued to puke for the rest of the day until about uh, the middle of the afternoon, I suppose. That was on Friday, and and it kind of started to slow down, slow down, slow down. And then in the evening, they uh, I was still on the intravenous. In the evening, um, they just admitted me into the regular hospital, and I was there until Sunday. Man, so that's a long time. Long. So what did you say? Three days that you were there? Yeah, yeah. Well, Wednesday night until Thursday, Sunday noon. And it was just... No, no, that's what it is. It's a uh, it's, uh, hadal hernia. And you actually uh, may have one. It looks like it's, it's heredity. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> mm, isn't that lovely? So, so it was just that the hernia was bleeding and you were just throwing up the blood from in your belly? Like that's yeah. what was happening? And I thought it must have uh, perhaps been going on for days because of the amount that I the amount that I threw up was. I mean, I don't know. I suppose if I it was it was a lot, a whole lot. So anyway, the doctor said no. Um, there's so many acids in your stomach that because um, I thought oh, that must that couldn't have all just happened like just from eating that on air and and all just like that one day and coming on so fast like that it must have been going on for days before that but I didn't feel bad he said no no it probably was something like the Donair set it off um, could have been something that was wrong with the Donair that kind of was kind of maybe it was food poison started it off but maybe not um, but uh, that amount of, uh, of, of the blood the dried blood it would not be unusual because your stomach is um, such a of, of volatile place, you know, all those acids always going at one another and giving your food the once over and everything. That, uh, no, it probably did just start on that Wednesday evening. And I guess, yeah, because that is like, I, I don't know a lot about stomach stuff, but I was reading about your stomach lining and how it, it always is constantly regrowing because basically your stomach acid it is eating your stomach, like it just has to keep growing all the time. So, yeah, I guess if that stuff is touching an organ that isn't built for it, yeah, it's going to be pretty bad. So, anyway, it was, uh, it was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, so you were saying, like, so uh, there might be surgery or just watching your diet, or what's, what's the point? Well, uh, what I've been, uh, I went online and read a whole lot of it later, and I learned a whole lot while I was there, too, because they were 
you know, finally people were talking a whole lot about it. Um, they, they're, the options are, usually it's controlled with something like uh, diet, and if you don't overeat, because it's the overeating that kind of forces your stomach like so to up into that little rubber tire, weak rubber tire spot, um, cutting back on spicy foods, uh, cutting back on alcohol, that kind of stuff, drinking a lot of water, um, eating smaller meals than you normally would eat, but just eating more often than, like I said, three large meals, you know, five or six small things a day. So uh, I'm going to give that a try, but I'm going to go see the surgeon too, because apparently this is, this right hernia is, is quite a good size. So... I'll go and take a look at the pictures and all that stuff that they took and listen to what he's got to say. And But the surgery, I think, is where they probably, I don't know, what would they do? I guess put a piece down there or I don't know what they do. Yeah, I guess it's the thing too, like uh, if, um, like I guess the diet thing doesn't hurt, but it must be, I guess it's weird just like that it could go off at any time or whatever and then you're, you know, incapacitated for three days. Like that's pretty rough. Well, that was extremely weird, though, because, I mean, I have had a few attacks with it in the last couple of years since I found out that I had it. Um, and usually it just, uh, you know, it passes off after a while. Or if you take an antacid, it'll break up the gas that might be causing the problem. And, uh, but, man, I never had anything quite like that. Yeah, that's did I ever bad. tell you how I discovered that I had it? No, I never had, hadn't heard of this. You didn't know that I had it? Okay. Two years ago, I had uh, I had an attack with it. I, I didn't have any. I didn't have no idea what it was. This pain like across the lower part of my rib cage went on for a couple of days. But I just kind of kept, you know, it wasn't anything like this last one that I had. No throwing up or anything like that. So eventually, I went to the I went to the uh, an emergency ward in the morning with that one morning because I said you know I've been reading about heart attacks because they say heart attacks in women are different the symptoms are not the same as with men and I just I have a heart attack but it just didn't go away <laughs> this is a funny so, way uh, that. I wonder I think I might have had a little heart attack back there <laughs> well you know, so up I go so they you know nothing wrong with your heart and they do that but they did everything all day long I was there they couldn't figure out what was wrong. I said, you're healthy, there's nothing wrong, you know, your blood pressure's fine, you're, um, no high blood pressure, nothing. And so uh, they gave me, an, first they gave me an ultrasound, okay, no, nothing there. Then they gave me a CAT scan, no, nothing there. And finally, they did an MRI, that was something else too. I mean, you know, lay still on this gurney and then you went to the machine and not yeah. breathe and all this stuff. Came out of that? No, nothing there either. Um, so they just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> you know what? I was just oh. thinking, not to interrupt, but I bet anyone from America that listens to this is going to be like, really? You got all these things done just to test? You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> in America, this would cost you $20,000. <laughs> yes, it would. More, more. Yeah. Because I've had that too. I've had an MRI. Yeah, I've had MRIs and all that stuff too. Yeah. So, anyway. So, anyway, so there I am all day long there, and they just can't figure it out. And eventually, from laying down, uh, it started to ease up and pass. And see, eventually, that's what happens. It eases up and it passes, usually. 
it's the gas or whatever is causing it, it finally just kind of breaks up. So by 4.30 in the afternoon, I was feeling raised rain. I'd had a very restful day at the hospital. Um, so they came in and told me I had pneumonia. Well, I thought to myself, mm, I don't think so. I didn't have any shortness of breath, and I didn't have any cough, and I didn't have any of those, you know, usual pneumonia symptoms, but hey, what do I know? Maybe I had what they call that walking pneumonia, where you don't know you've got it. Okay. So they gave me a prescription for it and said I could go, and then as I was leaving, they kind of said, oh, by the way, you got a hadal hernia. And I said, well, what, what's that? And they just kind of, you know, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, and blew it off real quick. So I said, I really didn't know what it was when I left. So I went and got the prescription for the pneumonia, went home, got out my little computer, and punched in hiatal hernia and started to read about it. And I read, and I read, and I read, and I kept saying, you know what? I had a hiatal hernia attack. And then I read also about what it was, how to control it. And over the next two years, yes, I had a few attacks, minor ones, so nothing like the first one. And then nothing again until last week when um, I had this thing that was so different and throwing up and everything that I was like, oh, man, this is what, this is food poisoning. So anyway, that's how I found out about it. And I did overindulge on the damn Don Air. I'll never read another Don Air for <laughs> yeah, This is obviously, uh, you know, a bad situation to have to monitor all the time, but it is kind of interesting that all the stuff to, you know, look after it, it's all, like, stuff I've been trying to do anyway. Like, it's all just healthier stuff to do, you know? It's yes, weird. It it's is. like almost like a, like, not a good thing, but, you know, that, that, just that reason to move in that direction of trying to... And see, a whole lot of what I had been doing anyway, um, I hadn't really consciously done it. Um, I, well, I did a little bit of conscious controlling my diet, but, but not a whole lot. But now I am. Like this past week, I've given up coffee. Um, no problem with that. I haven't had an urge for a cup of coffee at all. Um, I am eating smaller meals. I'm eating off a smaller plate. I mean, I, I consciously am saying, okay, I can, I can do this. I can, I don't need to sit down and great, eat a great big hulking meal until I feel so full that I'm uncomfortably full. Why do I even want to do that anyway? And the crap that you eat when you, many times you go out and you, you haven't got a clue what you're eating. They give you this great big friggin' meal and you feel you've got to clean the plate. Why? Well, because you paid for it. So I've said, you know what, I'll just take a little container with me every time I go out to eat and, if I'm starting to feel full, I just dump it in the container and take it home with me. Yeah, that's one of the so, bigger problems I have is just trying to find smaller portions of food. Like, it's hard to do in North America. It is. It is it's very hard to do. You go places and people just load up your plate. Uh, even when we're at work, like today, Patty Paula cooked the lunch and she's got pneumonia and she looks like a piece of crap. She makes a lunch. Just for the two of us, my God, we could have fed six people off it. Right. But guess what? We're eating it again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's weird too with surgery stuff where, like, uh, when I had uh, appendicitis, and uh, but it was like a weird thing that it was actually going down. The inflammation was going down rather than just going up and exploding and killing me. So, uh, so by the time like I uh, got the surgery arranged, like I didn't necessarily need it, and they actually kind of tried to talk me out of it. I think because 
you know, it's Canada and they're like, oh, we got to do this free surgery. <laughs> like, fuck. But, but I uh, didn't want to put it off in case, you know, in case it flamed up again and I'm like traveling or something. So I wonder if this is like a, a similar thing. Like, I don't know, surgery really was bad. Like I couldn't sleep laying down for like days. I had to sleep sitting up and like, it was really bad, way worse than I thought it was going to be. But then on the other hand, you know, if it takes care of the problem, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. Yeah, and that's what I, I will check all that out. But uh, the, the doctor told me that when I went to the surgeon, he said, they're going to be wishy-washy about it and ham and all and try to give you, you know, you should do this. And then, and then they'll say, well, maybe you shouldn't. And then and he said, at this point in time, I think you should try to to just go try these other, these other things because all kinds of people live their entire lives with hadal hernias and the surgery is is fairly invasive yeah i guess it makes sense right like in hindsight i was like like i was shocked at how and i mean i was still a young man in my early 30s and yeah it like just really took me out but i guess they are cutting open your body <laughs> it's pretty brutal yeah. see but appendicitis is different because uh I don't think you should have fooled around with that. When you told me you were getting your appendix out, I was like, yeah, go get it out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so I guess with this hernia thing, maybe not. I mean, it still sounds pretty bad, though. Throwing up blood for three days. You can't control bad. with diet. Yeah. And when, when that gets inflamed like that, that stupid little pocket that's not required for anything anyway, apparently now in this day and age, um, you just go get it. Just go get it out. Don't fool around with it. Yeah, and I guess in your case, like, yeah, I guess, I guess try, right? And then try the, the... Yeah, give it a try. And I, you know, I already kind of know from two years ago when I had, when I had these attacks, I kind of already know what brings it on. I know what it normally feels like when you, when you do have it. Um, so I think I'll be okay with it. And if I, and now if I ever do see this vomit thing like I saw last week. I mean, I know what to do about it now, too. I just don't pass that off. Food poisoning, just get the hell right up there. Right. Yeah. But, man, oh, three days on an ultra, on that liquid diet. Woo, that was something else. <laughs> yeah. It's reintroduced me to Jell-O, though. That's kind of nice, because the first thing I, they gave me to eat was Jell-O. And I said, my God, I haven't had a good bowl of Jell-O. <laughs> I said to Neil about how much I like Jell-O. Well, now I have 12 boxes of Jell-O. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bad sound and weak. And it was a nice. Uh, it was very. I, I mean, I'm glad I, I'm glad I wasn't dying of anything up there because uh, people said, "Have you had a winter vacation?" Yeah, I did. I said I had three days at the Dr. Everett Chalmers Hospital. <laughs> Got a lovely vacation up there. Just laying around. Yeah, so I was going to say it was similar when I was there because by the time I got there, my appendix was on the way down of like being not inflamed. Like they thought they had to do surgery immediately, but it turns out like I didn't get it for another couple of weeks, but they kept me there for the sort of the same thing, two or three days. And it was kind of fun because I was feeling a lot better, but they still wouldn't let me leave. So I just got to be kind of part of the hospital and see what it's like to work there. And, uh, man, it's just, it's creepy. Like, just because that's what they do all day. They're just in a hospital and that's where they work. So like, I remember distinctly this one really clear memory of there was like this, uh, older lady that was there who was obviously dying and her whole family was there and everyone was really sad. And I was just wandering around in my little, you know, 
fucking robe or whatever and my my gown and you know you just go around the corner and down the hall a little and then there's a bunch of uh nurses and orderlies and stuff like laughing about something because they're just working it's just their job and it's just like mm. man it's so weird to see the two sides of the place it really well, was I didn't interesting. do too much roman because i was uh, i was stuck to an iv pole that was kind of a pain in the butt because uh Eventually, I had so much fluid in me. Like the first day, I didn't go to the bathroom at all. I just laid around. And, but eventually, by day three, I had so much liquid in me, I had to go to the can all the time. But I couldn't go because I was hooked up to the IV, and somebody had to come in and unplug me from the wall. At one point in the night, I thought about getting up because I said, geez, I know where that's plugged in there. But um, I went in, so they came in and unplugged me. And then when I came back out, got back into the bed, it's full. I thought, well, I can just plug that in there. I can see the damn thing on the wall, but it was dark. And I thought, oh, geez, now that's all I need to do. Go plug the damn thing in and get the wrong hole. And <laughs> Something weird happens. Yeah. Got off the power in the hospital or zot myself. So I just crawled in the bed and hit the little button. So with an IV, like, do you do you eat? Do you just eat Jello, Or, like, do you just get the IV? How does, how does that work? Well, I think that, no, I think that people on IVs, depending on what you're, what you're in there for, See, uh, in this case, I lost so much uh, fluid uh, from vomiting that uh, they were that was full of electrolytes and who knows what else, with saline solutions and all that stuff in there, and they were putting it in through a vein in my in my elbow, um, in the crook of my arm, actually, not my elbow. Um, in my case, because of the hadal hernia and because I had been spitting up the blood, uh, yeah, they just put me... First day I didn't eat it all. Second day I didn't eat it all. Third day, yeah, second day I didn't eat it all. Uh, then the first day, then they said, well, we'll put you on a liquid diet. And it was, there was Jello and a juice and a water and a milk. I think, uh, you know, that just that's all you had. And then the second meal was a broth and, in, again, just some juice and. But I think people on IVs, if there's nothing wrong with their stomach, um, can certainly eat regular. Yeah, because later I was eating. Before I went home, I was eating regular food, and I was still on the IV until just before I went home. Yeah, I guess now that I think of it, like I think I was also on an IV briefly, but yeah, I just don't really remember. I was just wondering if it somehow magically makes you not hungry or anything, but I guess not. That, that wouldn't make any sense. I don't think it's that. I think uh, I didn't eat it first because I just, uh, you know, I just didn't feel like it. I just, I didn't even think about food. Well, and they threw the old oxygen on me at some point in time too. Uh, I had really low blood pressure at one point. I don't really under. I understand the concept of blood pressure, but I can never remember what it means. Right. Um, but usually, like, it's uh, 120 over 80, I think it usually is. At one point, I was, like, 88 over 40. <laughs> I must have been practically comatose. <laughs> but I could see it. And they kept saying, you know, your blood pressure's low, and then it dropped, 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 really dropped really low. And then... Uh, uh, then when I started eating the diet, the food, and in the liquid diet, it started to come back up again. Well, I guess I'm glad. I, I, I would say I'm glad you're okay, even though I guess you're not really okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I am okay, really. I I am. I mean, I know what that is, and I and I mean, I've got some really good advice on how to deal with it, and I just have to be kind of a little strict about it. 
And it is funny, though. And, like, and I can do that. Once I consciously decide this is what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it, I'll be, I'll, be good with the, I'll be good with the control on it. It's just I never actually thought about it before. Yeah, I've, uh, I mean, yeah, I've been mostly sticking, not 100%, but mostly sticking to, like, trying to be vegetarian and healthier and stuff, and, yeah, it's really not so bad, and you do kind of feel better. Like, the other day, I just realized I'm always going to coffee shops just to have somewhere to, you know, work on stuff, so I always get decaf coffee, but, you know, there's still all these weird oils and stuff in coffee, and you just after you drink a couple of them, it seems like a lot. I just realized the other day I can just buy a bottle of water, and it really does, like, it's, like, better. It just makes me feel happier. Like, oh, good, I can just sit here and drink some water, you know? And if I heard it once, I heard it at least ten times. People, you, do you drink coffee? And I, well, yeah, but it's always weak coffee, very weak coffee. I, God, I'm the one down at work that, I mean, the most I might drink in a day might be, if you added them all up, it's a little dribbles of coffee here, a little dribbles of coffee there might be two cups of coffee and I'll take what's in the ground there and run her through two or three times and I'll never add new coffee to it um, but you know I've decided I'll just cut it out altogether and I don't think tea is any better because tea is so full of tannic acid right. that um, you know I mean the occasional cup here and there but people who drink five and six cups of tea a day are probably no better than the person who drinks the coffee even stuff like juice, like uh, I remember when I was a kid and I found out that peanut butter and jelly sandwiches aren't healthy. That kind of blew my mind. I just assumed they were, but they're all full of sugar. And really juice is the same thing, like orange juice and stuff. It's like so much sugar. Like really, you just kind of can't beat water. It's pretty good. Yeah. And juice, is, juice, especially orange juice, is one of the worst things for a hadal hernia. And you think, oh, orange juice, it's oranges. It would be, it's fruit. It should be very healthy for you. But think of the how acidic it is very acid it's nice too i mean i've definitely noticed so i assume it continues this way but that thing where most people as they get older like their taste buds just change and yeah like i still eat some sweet stuff but i just don't really care anymore it's like i'll drink water i don't need it to be juice like whatever yeah, although sometimes there's nothing like a nice little sweet bit of fruit juice. <laughs> yeah, and I do, uh, man, I do kind of feel bad for people that have slow metabolisms and stuff because there will be times I'll have like this day where I'm doing all good and eating healthy and blah, 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 and then I'll just get it in my head that I just need a chocolate chip cookie. And after like 40 minutes of fighting it, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just go get a stupid cookie. <laughs> like, like you Well, just... the other problem we do in this culture, too, is we have a tendency to wolf down our food. Right. So by wolfing down your food, yeah, you do have a chance that you have overfill your stomach. And by the time you uh, it's starting to digest, like you, you've just stuffed it. You just crammed it right into the poor old little organ down there. Um, so um, I've decided, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a conscious effort to chew my food a little longer, um, so that I'm not I'm not stuffing myself so much that I'm just, you know, full, just full. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I assume, too, like when we were hunter-gatherers and stuff, like, yeah, I'm sure people were just uh, eating berries and nuts and stuff, like, as they walked around, like, just little bits all through the day, probably, more so than a great big... This whole thing of the official, we have to have the official three meals a day, and you have to sit down and eat your official three meals a day. Uh, and then uh, and then we eat all the crap in between too. Snack at mid morning, snack at mid afternoon, midnight snack. 
um, you know, we don't need all that food. Did I ever tell you and about so it? much of it is so full of preservatives and crap now, too, that Gary knows what we're putting in ourselves. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, that's one weird thing where I've been trying to stick with vegetarian stuff, but but it is starting to get a little tough to just find places to go, so I'm not just always eating the same stuff. And there is that fallback of, like, it's pretty easy to get vegetarian pizza or even vegan pizza, but it's still, it's pizza. It's really not good for you. <laughs> but but I guess at least it's still not like, you know, whatever weird hormones are in meat, I guess. So anyway, this is something that's been forced upon me because then I'll just have to deal with it. Because I remember years ago, I mean, I loved to eat, and I could eat, 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 eat anything and just eat tons of it. And uh, now, obviously, I, I, as I've aged, my metabolism has changed. But I remember saying to people when I, I would run into, and I was always thin, really thin, so I'd run into people like who were heavier, and they were on diets and diets and always on diets. And I, and I remember saying many times, you know what, I'll never go on a diet if I get to be as big as a house. Right. I don't care. I like to eat, and I'm going to keep on eating. Well, uh, obviously, nature has put me in a whole different ball game and said, you know what? Maybe that's what you thought you could do, lady. But even that, why. though, uh, <laughs> I mean, it is a diet technically. But I even think like what you're talking about of like changing the types of food that you eat or the amounts at once that you eat. Like it's still even that's not dieting the way people no. talk about dieting. Cause it's they, not dieting in that sense. No, it's just uh, it's just a control on how you. Because you know, actually, I'll be eating the same amount that I ever ate. Right. It's just I'm going to spread it out over a longer time. Well, that is what I think is funny is like we're severe on both sides where we just eat these great big meals and cram all the junk food down our faces. But then when people go on diets, they go, they they do the same thing. They just like slam on the brakes and barely eat anything. And it's like, how does that better? <laughs> That's just another yeah, crazy thing. Yeah, not better at all. Yeah. Yeah, and then it so, yeah. I say diet, but it won't really be a diet. It will actually be the same. Although, I, you know, I will cut out anything that I know is giving me issues. And, in fact, I've decided, too, I went online. When I was online, it said something about one of the things you should do is keep a little diary. And if you have something that you're eating that you, that you have a reaction to, write it down. Right. Because, uh, yeah, you might have a little reaction to something, just a little bit of a, you know, didn't like that. But you won't remember that you that that caused it because you know you eat that kind of stuff every day so I thought well that's a good idea too so I got a little thing and like the other day I ate some I ate, I only ate three three greasy chips and it was like Burp, and I said uh, three greasy chips that's all it took now obviously my stomach's kind of sensitive because of last week right. but I wrote that down and I said you know what maybe I just need to be eating baked chips yeah. Instead of that a bag of that greasy crap. <laughs> that is a nice thing too. That where I mean, it is a nice thing about how uh, available food is and stuff. It's like there's certainly no no uh, lack of types of food. So yeah, like even that. That's a like I thought you were gonna say. Well, I guess I can't eat chips. But yeah, you just get the baked ones. Like it's still it's not even that big yeah. a sacrifice, really. <laughs> yeah. Or there's you know there are some that are greasier than others. Right. Um, yeah, the, the only time uh, that I ever eat chips anymore is there's this one brand that has like a low sodium kind because to me that tastes 
fine. Like that's an appropriate amount of salt, maybe even still too much. And if I eat a normal chip nowadays, I'm like, what is this? It's crazy. It's so salty. And sometimes, you know, you can eat like, like this, these chips that I ate, they were on a counter and on a bingo. And when I ate them, I mean, the grease that was on, I was just three. That's all. My fingers were just saturated so much with grease that I had to wipe them on my pants. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, there's something wrong with a chip when, you, when your hand is like, yeah, grapes, you get grease frying pan with it. And that's like, uh, well, one thing, too, that I remember kind of surprised me is uh, now I mostly, like I said, just drink water. But for a while I was trying, like, vegetable-type stuff, like V8 juice or whatever. But even that, like, there is a low-sodium kind that I think is fine, and it's still got a surprising amount of salt in it. But then when you have the normal kind after that, it, like, it burns your tongue. It's got yeah. so much salt. But And that's, like, supposed to be healthy and vegetables. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with us? Can't we just drink vegetable juice? Like... Why does everything have to have salt and sugar and grease? It's like everything. It's crazy. Well, and I had gotten quite conscious about reading salt contents on packages oh, a number of years ago. So when I go into and I buy those processed foods and that, um, I usually turn it over and, oh, my God, 45% salt for serving. I, I don't even want that because I stopped eating salt oh, years and years ago. And there was no reason for it. It's just uh, I found I like pepper better. Right. And then now when I eat something that's really salty, it's like, oh, my God, this is so full of salt. And everybody thinks, ah, shut up. You're you're always going on about the salt. But I am. I I can really taste salt. And uh, I don't mind the occasional, like, like a good potato chip with the salt on it occasionally. You need a little bit of salt in your system. But the amount of salt we consume is out of this world. I've definitely noticed with potato chips especially, I mean, it probably ties in a bit to my taste buds changing a bit, but I definitely remember when I was a kid, like yum yum potato chips or even old Humpty Dumpty, like it was like a very light amount of flavoring on chips. And then by the time I was a teenager, they started putting out like flavor blasted super chips or whatever. And then those went away because those just became the normal chips, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's, it's nuts because all that flavoring on chips is all just variations of salt basically. And, yeah, it's, like, so much. And it's like, dude, what is going on? Well, it's so they can preserve that stuff and ship it all over the world and keep it on the shelf for... Yeah, that's probably true, too. Months. I mean, you look at the expiry date on some of that stuff, you're thinking, God, it's years. Well, that can't be right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're in a store, and it's like you're picking up one of those products, and it says expiry date uh, in November of 2019. Like, that's three years from now. Oh, man, you know what? I don't know how much time I got left here, but just this uh, came to mind that I thought was so interesting because, like, we're so tied into whatever types of stuff we eat. We're just used to it. But, yeah, if we could get off of it and not eat all this shit, we wouldn't miss it and we wouldn't care anymore. And a weird example of that is chocolate. Apparently, chocolate in North America is way different than it is in the U.K. And our kind is really cheap and shitty. And to people from the UK, it kind of tastes like vomit. <laughs> and, and I looked into this, and it's because during one of the wars, World War II probably, just with shortages and something happening, I don't know, we got all this bad chocolate that just sucked. But then everybody got used to it. So then the companies started making bad chocolate on purpose, where their chocolate is like, you know, more dark chocolate and more like what real chocolate is. But we 
just grew up with bad chocolate and now we like it and all of our chocolate companies make shitty chocolate that the rest of the world you thinks probably is eat terrible. probably the real stuff and say, ew, they yeah, like right. that, ew. I just think that's What's wrong so... with it? This isn't chocolate. Yeah, and I'm sure that same thing probably applies to almost all of our food. Like, we're just, we just eat weird garbage that no one else would like, <laughs> but that's just what we eat. Like, I'm sure if you gave some, I don't know, just some kid from India or something a, a Coke, he'd be like, blah, <laughs> you know, like, what is this? It's just so sweet and brutal. I mean, one of the poor kids from India, obviously. I'm sure there's plenty of people in India that just, you know, are affluent and love to drink Coke, but <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, so, I guess. So there was the, the, the medical, the medical, I got, I'm sure you've learned a whole lot about uh, uh, some medical ailments here tonight you had no idea about. Yeah, certainly, I guess I, I guess I can just hope that I don't have one of these hernias. So, so I was going to say, it just, it's just like a natural thing, because I know my friend Cody has a hernia, but he got it from gold mining in the Yukon, like, so this wasn't anything like that. It just isn't occurring. Okay, if he got it from gold mining, he would, if he was doing so. Oftentimes, people will get it from heavy lifting and that kind of stuff. And it usually, there are usually things that'll be maybe in your stomach or possibly in your intestinal area. Be and it's from from uh, heavy lifting where you've you've damaged something like the lining of your stomach, and and then it bulges out or possibly in your intestines, and there's a, like a pocket that forms, a weak pocket from, again, lifting, heavy lifting. But um, I found out uh, from Denise, actually, that because I don't pay attention to the medical conditions of my family so much, but uh, I knew my brother John had, uh, he's got a couple of hernias, not necessarily a hiatal one, but he's had a couple of operations on hernias. He was born with one, that he had an operation when he was a baby. Uh, with, but as an as a man, he's had at least two operations to to fix the damaged wall and um, close the hernia. Uh, Denise apparently has a hanal hernia. She thinks Janet may have one, yeah. uh, and there, there may be others too. So that's when I thought, mm-hmm, okay, another one of those heredity things where we seem to have a susceptibility to that kind of stuff. So we got the old uh, sciatic nerve, we've got the atal hernia. Uh, gee, I wonder what else. Genetically unsound bunch that we are. Yeah, actually, if I, again, I think I'm almost out of time on my card, but yeah, I should ask you about that sometime too, the, the nerve thing. Say. So, uh, but, but that's the thing, that, and so that's why I'm telling you this, is that if you ever start having something like that that seems to be like a like a stomach thing but it's high up really high up in your in your stomach um if you ever have to go get it checked out the only way they can find it is if they do something like uh uh an mri or a uh cat scan i suppose i don't think it showed up on the i don't know if it showed up on the cat scan i don't know when it showed up when they when they did it with me uh but that's the only way or or a scope but when they did the scope on me this last time, they weren't looking for that hadal hernia because they knew it was there because they'd already checked the old uh, x-rays from two years earlier. Right. They were looking for an ulcer of some kind. And there was nothing. I guess that's good. It is weird, too, though, like the, you were saying, just how they kind of 
and two years ago they just kind of disregarded the hernia or barely told you about it like that is one thing where yeah that was kind of like an afterthought oh by the way go home and treat that pneumonia that <laughs> you got a anal hernia and and the thing that i read about uh, online that i read about anal hernias is there are many people who are misdiagnosed with it it must not be that easy to to find you think an x-ray would show it and i think maybe an x-ray does um, but there are many people who go to the hospital with, uh, they don't know what's wrong with them, and they go away with not being treated, uh, and it's, they're told it's something else, and then they find out later that that's what it is that's causing all this pain, and, and it keeps coming back on them. Um, so that's why the first thing I said when I went in this time is, I told them right up front, I said, I've got a hadal hernia, and I think it's this is what's causing part of the problem. Oh, and by the way, here's what I've been puking up, and I showed them this cup. <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were prepared. That's kind of... <laughs> uh, yeah, I was prepared. <laughs> of course, I was puking up as I was going in because I had another cup. I had the sealed cup with the goods in it, and then I had another one that I was... <laughs> oh, man. And my little barf station with, so... <laughs> and I think... Uh, so if you ever are in that position where you're throwing up something that looks like coffee grounds... Get yourself to the emergency ward and take a sample with yeah. because it'll really get things moving. Yeah, I mean, that would be extra notable for me because, I mean, besides that food poisoning I had last year, I mean, that's the only time I've thrown up in, like, 15 years. i just not a puker. <laughs> so I guess if it happens, I'll know right away. Yeah, and see, I'm not either. In, that, in fact, i got to say, I, uh, for considering that, you know, middle age now and on there, I, I've been very, very fortunate in hardly ever having anything like that. So, it's got, got, the other thing that kind of kind of convinced me that it wasn't the food poisoning too, it never came out the other end. Right. Usually, the food poisoning you do eventually, you'll be throwing up initially, but once it starts, uh, you know, it'll start moving into your intestines pretty darn fast. And usually, your problem is you're on the flush and you got the bucket. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're trying to, it's coming out both ends. And that never came either. And that, that also kept kind of throwing me. I kept saying, geez, if it's, if it's food poisoning, how come none of it's passing through? Yeah, that's a pretty that's big tip off. So different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember with the, um, with the appendix thing, man, it was crazy. Cause like anytime I've had pain in my life, like no matter what it is, if it's like a physical injury or, or a headache or anything like no matter how bad it is, it would always kind of come in ebbs and flows, you know? Like, even if it's like a horrible migraine, it, you know, you have periods where it relents and you feel okay and then it comes back. And I remember with the appendix thing, it's the only time, like, I felt this, that kind of pain ever where it just didn't ever abate. It just kept getting worse yeah. and kept getting worse. And it got to the point of, like, the most I've ever hurt and then it kept going. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is crazy. Because I thought it was food poisoning also. And eventually, yeah, I was like, oh, I guess I better go to the hospital because I don't know what the hell is going yeah. on. Yeah, but see, the other thing with food poisoning, too, it should have been a tip-off to me, too. But, you know, you get to feeling so bad, you kind of kind of lose uh, focus as to what, what you're feeling. But usually after you throw up. Uh, and, and usually you start retching with food poisoning. Um because your, your stomach just wants to clean itself out. Right. I never had any of that. There was no retching or whatever. It was just all of a sudden you'd say, oh, I feel bad. I feel like I've got to throw up. Well, <laughs> it would come. 
it was there was no like with food poisoning you get the cramps and you're like oh my god I've got to throw up and then you get your head hanging over the toilet for a, a bit of time before it, it comes it doesn't just you know it kind of has to work itself a little bit I suppose your stomach's pouring itself into a little knot down there and then it decides to do it this uh, not, completely different and it was only after actually I, I was thinking about going up there and you know a little past the path but after I talked to you last week, so thank you for calling me, sure. uh, I said, you know what? Um, he's right. This, this, is a, this is something different. This is, when you said uh, yours was the appendix, I said, you know what? This is something different. This is not how food poisoning should be reacting, and I know that. So get up off this bed and puke into the cup one last time, cover it up, and get the hell out of here. It's one for the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did. So I guess thank you for that little nudge. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you did sound really, really bad, and uh, I was kind of thinking that after after I hung up was that you said it was yesterday that it started, and I'm, I was thinking like food poisoning, even when it's really bad, surely by like the next day, or you know, a day and a half later, you should be feeling a little better than that. You really sounded bad, so. Yeah, you know what's odd about food poisoning though, because I read about that too all that day. Um, apparently, uh, it can hit you. Six to ten days after the initial, whatever the cause was. Really? Six to ten days. How the hell would you even know what caused it? Yeah, that's surprising that, like, the bad bacteria could even hang out that long without being killed. Yeah. I, that, that really, now, they, of course, some of it can come on immediately. But, yeah, that uh, that really floored me. And that's why you hear, oftentimes you hear about those ships that come into port and they the whole damn ship's got food poisoning. Um and you'll say, well, God, like, why didn't they go dock somewhere? Uh, it's because some of it is very slow coming on, and many times they don't, they don't recognize it as food poisoning because not everybody gets sick, or everybody gets sick at these weird intervals, and they can't tie it down to any one thing because, you know, you figure six to ten days, well, I'm telling you, your system's completely cleaned up by that time and been replaced by something else. Yeah. But that's many times, yeah, you hear about those ships that uh, have docked somewhere, and you say, well, geez, like, they were down in the Caribbean or someplace. Why the hell didn't they dock a little earlier? Well, that's why, because uh, they're merely floating around there with only a few sick people, and then a few more, and then a few more, and then finally the whole damn thing is just gone to hell in a handcart. Yeah, six to ten days is not uncommon for food poisoning. Yeah, definitely remember, like, that food poisoning I had last year, like, it, it definitely, like, I mean, it passed, like, you know, by the next day I was, could tell I was getting better, but but you can really see that path down the road where where somebody does just die, <laughs> you know, like, they just dehydrate and throw up and die, because <laughs> it was like, yeah. you know, if this, if this was a worse version of this, like, yeah, it's brutal. And I suppose with this, I don't know, nobody ever said I was at death's door, but... Uh, if I if they were pumping that much fluid into me and they reacted quite so quickly, I don't know if it could have killed me or not. But I threw up. I mean, a whole lot. I bet if I put all that together, I probably had a good half bucket. No, <laughs> that's an image. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's hard to know when you finally are. Uh, you know, it's all gone down the toilet, and some of it went down the sink. But but that went on like Wednesday night, all Wednesday night. That and, and like, that's just such a non-medical 
way. It's like uh, all creatures, great and small, sort of like you're in some weird uh, farm somewhere. Like, oh, I had a good half bucket. <laughs> of, <laughs> of, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like a funny way to describe to a doctor what's been happening. And they have these great, uh, these great things that you puke into the hospital now. They're like a, a plastic bag with a cardboard cuff at the top, um, so that you can actually lay, can lay in bed, and you just have to lift your head a little bit into the bag, and uh, the bag's got a little measure on it. Well, the bag would be about the size of, uh, I don't know, a bread bag, I suppose. Um, by the time they would take the bags away from me and replace them, that bag would be a quarter full. Man, so like, how often were you throwing up? When the night I went up there, I was probably throwing up like every five to ten minutes. Holy shit! Yeah, like that's that that's point. Now on Wednesday night when I started, it was probably I'd throw up, and then it was quite quite uh, thick and mucusy, and it looked just like Don Irmy. So there, that's that's why I thought it was. But that was probably every. You have one minute remaining. Oh, like I just got the little. I have one minute remaining warning. One minute remaining. Every couple of hours, it started out, but probably by Thursday night. And it wasn't coming in great huge amounts by that time, but but probably five to ten minutes. Man, yeah, because yeah, because that is definitely even my food poisoning, which was pretty bad. It was like maybe every hour that I was throwing up. So yeah, that. Well, I mean, I guess the mystery solved. It definitely was something else, but yeah, it definitely was something else. So. All right. Well, thanks for the update. I'm glad to hear that uh, you're feeling much better. I definitely am, and. Uh, and now we've got a, a medical podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, hey, it could be handy for people, you know. It's handy for me. Now I know I might have a hernia someday, so that's good to know. Help, right, help the so doctors. I'll, I'll bring them, bring them, you know, halfway. I'll meet them halfway. Okay. We learn. If I learn anything more, I'll, I'll give you an update. All right. So I guess I'll talk to you. Okay. You have no time remaining. Okay. We know. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>